Hello and welcome to the AI Future Show with me, your host and guide, Professor Andy Pardo. On today's show, I will be sharing a recording from a webinar which was focused on how AI can empower businesses both now and post-COVID-19. Thank you all for for joining this session. So um, very briefly on a little bit about my profile. So Effie mentioned my first job after doing my PhD in um, AI was actually working um, for a company developing number plate recognition system. Um, and we use that for motorways, uh, speed cameras, but also for police cars and car parking applications as well. I then moved um, into London and worked um, for about 20 years in the financial services sector um, and then spent a couple of years working um, with Accenture, um, working across industry groups. And so, so that's my background. I've been lucky enough to be an advisor to a film documentary called We Need to Talk About AI, which is currently available on Amazon. I believe other streaming platforms do exist, but uh, it's available on Amazon at the moment. Uh, Definitely worth a look. Um, I'm going to be launching my own The Future of AI podcast very soon, so um, watch out for that. And um, I also have a, a free uh, uh, sort of festival ticket to COGX for the best question of the session. So uh, um, start putting in those questions into the chat. Um, so I wanted to talk about a few things. So first of all, really just <clears throat> talking about how um, technology and specifically AI companies have really sort of rise to the challenge with um, COVID-19. And it's been actually quite impressive how many companies have been um, seeing how they can use their technologies to support the fight against COVID. And it's been been quite inspirational to see the efforts that, that a number of companies have sort of put into that. And um, there's a few examples here that are part of the uh, NVIDIA sort of ecosystem. And these are sort of startups. And it really touches on a number of different areas. So um, the first area, which I think um, is is sort of critical for every business, really, it's it's how do you manage your data? How do you actually get your data to the right people at the right time? How do you draw out that analytics and insight? And and that's um, a key key element of any business. And I think you know during this crisis, that's becoming more and more important. Um, they, they actually run, um, so this is the whiteboard platform, it's an IoT platform, but they've used a lot of computer vision to actually help in a number of areas. So firstly, to track the use of PPE within the hospital environments, but also using their thermal cameras to check on the temperature of, of people in the hospitals as well. <clears throat> There's other examples of companies where They've kind of leveraged their expertise in uh, video analytics and applied that to um, how you model the interaction between chemicals, molecules and, and proteins. And again, helping to try and find um, that sort of drug discovery and, and sort of helping to find a virus, a, a, a sort of a vaccine and a, a cure for, for COVID. So 
that's another area where companies have, have slightly pivoted their, their skill set but applying it to the problem. I'm aware of other companies and a couple of the AI sort of vendors and platforms have been leveraging their capabilities to help with capacity planning and, and with resources and that can be from the capacity of ICU units but also on the supply chain and the, the sort of the PPE uh, that they have and actually using predictive analytics to help model how the outbreak of COVID-19 is spreading across the globe and where the demand will be for, for various resources. So, so that's a really interesting sort of way in which <clears throat> AI is really sort of helping us to understand the virus and also to sort of fight it. Um, NVIDIA actually have um, 870 uh, med tech companies as part of their ecosystem, and there are many more um, sort of outside of that that uh, are working in the, the med tech space. And a lot of people think that AI and medical applications are actually quite new, but actually, um, you know, there's been companies working in this space for quite some time. Another interesting application is a company that I know quite well, and they've been applying their um, sort of uh, AI capability on chest X-rays and being able to um, being able to essentially. Uh, predict very quickly and diagnose very quickly whether someone has got a case of, of COVID-19. And they're using a very interesting technique. So rather than trying to identify the actual disease, what they do is try and identify what's normal in an image. And so they, they've got a technique called red dot. And, and as you can see on the image on the right-hand side, they're actually... Um, highlighting an area that they don't believe is normal and that's part of their diagnostic capability. So it's an interesting approach to, to, to the problem of trying to get an, uh, enough examples of a particular um, uh, diagnosis and, and they're, they're taking a different approach to that, which is quite interesting. The, the next thing I wanted to really um, highlight was essentially um, both AI and automation is nothing without data. And I think having good quality data and analytics around that is, is really important. And I think what you're going to see as companies come out of the, the sort of the, the survival and into the recovery uh, side of uh, the impacts of COVID is you're going to see a, an increase in importance of understanding your customer. And uh, I know from my work in the finance industry that uh, banks were already sort of looking at how they could both um, consolidate their information internally, which is essentially the customer 360 view, if you like. So making sure that you've got a, a good understanding of all of the interactions that all of the different areas of your bank or your company um, doesn't just apply to the banking industry um, has on the customer, but also taking not just your internal data, but taking external data as well. And that's the 720 sort of view 
of your customer. And um, Exmotus is a company uh, startup that I'm working with that is really trying to help with that um, analytics and trying to sort of pull in relevant industry or company information that's sort of in the public domain that can help inform you about your customers, about your industry, and really give you that added insight um, at your fingertips that can really help um, understand your customers and understand, um, you know, give you that capability to um, look at opportunities for sort of uh, cross-selling and upselling, um, and, and just having that context on your customers. And I think that will be a massive, increasingly important thing for companies in all industries to focus on over the next um, sort of six to 12 months for sure. And then I think the, the other sort of key thing really is about the future of work. And even before the crisis, there was lots of talk about, you know, what is automation and AI doing for the future of work? And, and I think now we've got two key drivers that are really going to accelerate that. And, and Steve talked about the quote from the Microsoft CEO about the, how much the digital transformation has accelerated over the last couple of months. And I think that combined with the economic volatility in a very sort of dynamic environment, um, not least with, you know, the, the, the impact of remote working and your reduced workforce due to in illnesses, um, there's going to be an increasing need for augmented workforce. And I think that's just the new rea reality of, of, of our working environment, that we're going to see more and more um, augmented workforce uh, in the future. And not just in the customer uh, engagement area either. So augmented workforce, and this is a slide from um, one of our partners who specializes in intelligent virtual assistants um, in that sort of early sort of pre-sale and post-sale activities. And, you know, this is an area that's already um, uh, picking up um, uh, interest and, and they're seeing, you know, increasing demand for this. This is an area that I think with the crisis and there's an example of, uh, of how this has impacted companies in terms of their customer support. So there's been companies that have leveraged um, offshore um, customer service uh, um, sort of uh, centres and they've struggled um, when those countries have had to go into lockdown and their, their staff have had to work remotely they haven't necessarily had the best internet broadband capabilities in, in other countries that we might sort of, you know, see as normal in, in the UK. And so their customer support um, and customer service really struggled during the crisis because they had a much reduced uh, interaction um, capability there. So having this augmented and intelligent virtual assistant capability is really important. And the interesting thing with this is we have already started to see this being used not just in that sort of um, front office customer service um, area, but throughout the entire 
um, value chain. So, you know, and, and I think this is going to be um, increasing pressure on companies to not just use it in that initial sort of interaction with their customers, but also use it through, throughout their throughout their sort of uh, company and throughout the different departments um, within the company. And that's actually one of the benefits, but also one of the challenges of, of AI um, is that you can actually use it across the entire value chain of an organization. And that's um, a blessing and a curse, to be honest with you, because um, what that tends to do is create a lot of um, siloed um, and fragmented implementations of different AI capabilities. And one of the challenges then is how can you share things across different departments to accelerate your adoption um, across different areas? And, and you see this, or I've seen this an awful lot, where you get that very siloed approach to adoption of of data science and machine learning and you end up each team doing a very separate thing using their own tools their own processes and it becomes very dif difficult for those to then sort of share across the sort of organizational boundaries of the different departments and that essentially can slow down the adoption further so that's a real challenge and and you know it's it's one of the many challenges that, that companies will face with their sort of adoption of, of AI as they sort of look to scale up. One of the other things that I think we'll start to see as well as we sort of go from survival to revival to thriving um, as, as, a, as a nation, as a world, um, as we start to try and look to um, look to the future and enable companies to um, deliver a more robust capability is they'll look to automation, they'll look to AI, but they'll go through this learning curve, if you like, of, of leveraging an increasingly uh, complex um, solutions and uh, to solve an increasing complex set of problems. And this is, again, part of the normal adoption journey but this is something that we'll see as companies get through the crisis and look forward they'll start to look at um, leveraging more AI to give them more capability to make their business processes more robust to give them more flexibility in what they're doing and they'll start to adopt increasingly more complex capabilities as they sort of get through that process. The, and this really is, for, for us, is about the AI journey. And I, I know from experience, different industries are at different stages of their AI adoption and different companies within those industries, again, will be um, early adopters or, or sort of a, a more sort of, uh, 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 sort of controlled adoption of the technologies. I've mapped out a 10-stage um, adoption a roadmap if you like and throughout all of these stages of scaling up um, and adopting AI within your organization there will be a whole bunch of different challenges that causes friction in that adoption 
And, you know, this is one of the things that many companies struggle with as they start to roll out their use of, of the technologies. And it's a whole range of, of challenges. It's not just about the technology. It's also about the culture. It's about um, the governance. It's about the organizational structure. There are many factors that are causing roadblocks, if you like, into the smooth adoption of the technology. Um, I think I'm going to stop about there. So I think we've only got a few minutes left. So I'm going to hand back um, to Effie to see if there's any questions. Thanks, Amelie. That was that was great and really um, really good to hear about kind of data and analytics. I've been hearing a lot over the past few months that data is the new oil. Um, so it's great to to see how that ties in quite nicely with, with, with AI. And I do have a, a question from Andrew Reid um, on the topic of data analytics. Um, so on the topic of data analytics-based solutions, such as mentioned with Exmatus, how mature do you believe the market is today? And to what extent do you foresee this moving into behavioural analytics as companies look at leveraging this area more closely and adopting solutions? Also, is this an AI-focused area or more deep learning related? Great question, Andy. Thank you. Yeah, that's a great question. So um, it's... Personally, I think the whole area of, of data analytics and, and getting insight out of data is an ongoing battle for companies. And as I mentioned, you know, some of them even struggle just to get a full representation of their customers from the different departments within the organization. So I think that's part of the struggle. I think um, I know that some, some companies were looking to to implement a customer 720 platform or capability, um, but it's very early stages. I think those companies are very um, sort of uh, forward thinking and further on the sort of AI adoption than, than maybe others. Um, but I think it's something that we'll start to see a lot more of. The behavioral analytics is really interesting, and, and yeah. I, I've seen examples of that being used in all sorts of places. And I think, again, we'll see more of that. I think behavioral analytics is actually um, provides some ethical considerations and concerns um, that um, needs to be thought about a little bit. But I think you'll definitely start to see more behavioral analytics. And that's both from behavioral analytics with customers but also with your own internal staff um, as well. So uh, I know of examples of it being used in HR as well. So it's a really interesting question. And, and yeah, behavioral analytics is, is sort of one of those really interesting areas. Thank you, Andy. Great. Um, so, so we don't run out of time. Um, I'm just going to um, wrap up thanking Andy and Steve very much for their time. Um, we're, we are in a very privileged position to be able to offer um, everyone attending and, and any colleagues that you might want to invite to a similar session of, of a, of a follow-up session which involves Steve and Andy um, offering a discovery session. We will do a follow-up 
Um, you know, we've already had, thank you so much for the, the inquiries that have already come through um, to, to, to share some knowledge with, with Steve and Andy and there's been some great inquiries for discovery sessions. We'll be in touch to set them up. Um, but we really want to thank you um, on, on behalf of, of Steve, Andy and Templeton for joining us today. Um, some really, really key issues and discussions that have been discussed around AI and automation. And I think what is really interesting is how, Steve, you touched on you know, upskilling um, people within automation and, and robotics, process automation, data analytics, all of these really vital skills that are going to have to be um, building workforces post-COVID. And, you know, here at um, Templeton, we're delighted to, to tell you that we're already working with a number of clients on building these teams and upskilling our clients in AI, automation and robotics. And, and we'll continue to do so um, post-COVID recovery and, and bounce backs. Um, so we'll, 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 you know, we want to thank you very much for everything. We've had a few more questions through, so if we've got just a little bit more time. Um, and then we'll also have the COGEX tickets for the best question that um, Andy's going to pick. So one of the other questions, oh, we've had quite a few. <laughs> um, James, um, how do you see companies managing risk when AI is best used as part of the business decision processing when ML models are a black box and cannot easily explain the reasoning for the outcome based on the data used for inference? Thanks, James. That created a great question. Yeah, another good question. And and I think this is a, it's not just around the sort of risk um, elements of of um, decision making, but um, just sort of uh, from from a regulated industry, um, decisions based off uh, algorithms is is quite an interesting area. And and this is one I know from experience um, the the regulators are getting more and more interested in. And um, you know, one of the challenges, as as you mentioned, is some of the techniques are considered to be a black box, but there is more and more work being done um, around explainability of AI techniques and models. And a number of uh, techniques are actually very easy to uh, see the um, underlying decision uh, criteria or the reasoning behind the decision. So it depends on the technique being used. And there's more and more work being done around um, the sort of uh, being able to explain the reasoning with models. But I think for a company who wants to manage their own internal risk when it comes to customers, um, that's a decision that's internal and they can they can just sort of manage that internally. I think, um, you know, when it's uh, a more direct impact on a customer where you've turned them down for a loan, for example, then obviously there needs to be more um, more sort of uh, understanding of the decision-making uh, process there. And, and often these algorithms are just there to guide and recommend. It's not, you know, the human will still make the final decision um, with these things. It's a great question. Thanks for that, James. Uh, James Ackrid, uh, thanks for joining us as well, is the 
um, head of was the head of technology for 18 years at, at Microsoft and um, spent a great deal of his time developing SharePoint a long, long time ago. So thanks for that question, James. Um, if we've got time for one more question, um, we've got a, another question, a question from uh, Loretto. Um, Loretto... Sorry, Loretto. Given the speed of digital adoption during COVID, um, surely we can and should expect a faster adoption of AI and similar solutions. Um, it's a yeah, it's an interesting question. I'd like to hope so, but I think the um, as I was trying to show with my um, roadmap, um, it's not a straight road, and there's the you know, it's not an easy process to accelerate the adoption of AI and to sort of get to that sort of scaled uh, implementation in, in an organization. So I think while the, the demand will be there, it doesn't necessarily make it an easier task. So I, I think, um, you know, the, the, the demand will definitely follow, I think, from this crisis. Um, but I think the the, the solutions and the capabilities still needs a lot of consideration and it's not just a technology problem. And I think that's, you know, that's something that um, companies need to think uh, really long and hard about and understand how they're going to get there. So this was an extract from a webinar recorded with myself and Dr. Stephen Shepherd from Combined Intelligence in conjunction with our partners from Templeton. What I hope you can gather from this recording is that there's a real drive and need for companies to leverage technology, automation and AI to get through this crisis and to position themselves in a much more stable and robust capability to deal with such economic shocks in the future. If you like this show, it would be great if you could follow and share on social media all of our links are available on pardo.ai. Neurons.ai is an online platform and community for those interested in the field of artificial intelligence, both for experts and novices alike. It covers a wide range of topics from AI, machine learning, data science and neuroscience. And it provides a number of different services and activities, including an online knowledge base and news feed, forums, member profiles, events, meetups, and even its own conference. Don't forget to check out awards.ai. It's the Oscars of the AI world, the largest global annual achievement awards for artificial intelligence, independently judged with over 60 categories. The fifth awards are still open for nominations until the 31st of July 2020. And best of all, it's free to enter. If you have an idea for a topic of discussion or would like to be a guest speaker on the show, please go to pardo.ai show and fill in the suggestion survey. Thank you for listening to this episode of the AI Future Show. I hope you've enjoyed it and will take the time to rate it and to share with your friends, family and colleagues. Also, don't forget to check out other episodes of the show. To find out more about me, visit pardo.ai.
Are you an AI-related company and would like to sponsor one of the episodes or a full series of the AI Future Show? If so, please contact me on my website.